It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Welcome to another edition of Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. Scott, what's going on, my man? Colin, I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm kind of shocked that we still have things to talk about with the Raptors, but you know, there's there's always something. So yeah, there definitely is always something. I do want to get to the Raptors, and we will get to the Raptors on this podcast. But uh, Scott, if you if you want to clear the lane for me for a second, so I can go a little ISO. Uh, there's no way that I can, you know, start this podcast and just ignore what's happening around the world. I do want to say, uh, first and foremost, rest in peace to George Floyd, Maude Arbery, Breonna Taylor, uh, and the many others that we don't hear about on a daily basis. Um, you know, our listenership is for this podcast is majorly from Canada. You know, the majority comes from Canada. We have a large listenership from Canada, of course, because it is the Raptors Pod Table podcast. Uh, and me being a Canadian, I know that it's very common uh, for Canadians to kind of say, well, you know, our country isn't as bad as it is in the States. Things aren't as bad as it is down there. But I, I want to use this time to basically point out that that's not good enough anymore. Not being as bad as somewhere else isn't good enough anymore. We have a problem with racism in the country as well as uh, anywhere else in the world pretty much. Uh, and, you know, in, in North America, we see it through our sports and through, uh, it, you know, hockey, which is one of the biggest sports in the country. We see it a lot through that. I've experienced it myself personally, uh, being a black man playing hockey growing up. Um, it's something that, you know, has been swept under the rug for far too long. Uh, won't spend too much time going in depth to it here, but I will say this. If you're listening to this podcast, take some time to educate yourself on what's happening not just in the United States, but in your own country, whether it's in Canada or anywhere else in the world. Uh, and if you are in Canada, take some time to read Donovan Bennett's article on Sportsnet. Uh, he talks about it. He goes in depth about it. And he you know, is more eloquent with his words than I can ever be on this subject. So it's not good enough to say in Canada anymore that we're better than somewhere else or continue to turn a blind eye. And I'm not just talking about black people here. I'm talking about every single race. We won't win with a tie. We got to win when we eliminate this. We'll only celebrate a W and that will only happen if everyone comes together as one. Tough pivot to do here, Scott. Let's, uh, let's, let me get in my Kevin McHale post bag and uh, you use my pivot foot. I know you like that one. But so let's, one, uh, one move, that's all you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one move that I have. <laughs> and, and let's talk Raptors. Um, Mike Adams, our Mike Adams has written a great article that I just read twice before coming on here. Um, it's on ca.mba.com. You can read it now. The most clutch team in Toronto Raptors history. And he's talking about the 2019, 2020 version of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, last year, the Toronto Raptors were really led in the clutch by one man. And of course, everyone knows that one man was Kawhi Leonard. And I mean, Kawhi was the best, one of the best clutch players in the league yet last year. Probably still is one of the best clutch players in the league right now. But in terms of making shots with two minutes or less, Kawhi Leonard led the league in that category 16 different times that he hit a shot to either uh, give the uh, Raptors a, a tying bucket or 
a go-ahead shot, and that includes the playoffs in regular season. No other player did that. That's the most, uh, you know, the most in his career, clearly, but also, you know, tied with Kobe Bryant and LeBron James for, you know, for, for shots in the final two minutes in their career in a single season. And when you're putting someone in the category with those two guys, you know that they meant business a season ago. Um, heading into the season, did you think that the Raptors lost a lot? I mean, I truly believe that the Raptors lost a lot with Kawhi Leonard in those moments, in the clutch moments. But did you think they would be able to kind of balance that out the way they have been so far? No. There's, there's just no way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's fair. Everything you just said about Kawhi, I think it's fair to say he's probably the most clutch player in the league right now, right? Um, I want to say Mike Adams did an article earlier this, you know, during this hiatus about ranking, like power ranking the most clutch players in the league right now. And I'm pretty sure Kawhi was number one on that list. Right. Um, so to lose someone who, you know, hit some of the, the biggest shot last season, but also other game winners and go-ahead shots and everything, you take that guy away from it. I mean, you just look at the stats that you were kind of talking about. I mean, Kawhi scored 152 points in the clutch last season. He took 109 shots in clutch situations. The next most on the Raptors was Pascal Siakam. He scored 55 points and took 28. Sorry, he scored 55 points and took 28 shots. Um, but Kyle Lowry actually took the second most shots on the team. Like, that's just such a big differential. And to, I, I don't think anyone would have thought that this team would be able to make up for the loss of Kawhi in that regard. But it just speaks to, one, how much Siakam has improved once again. Two, just how good Kyle Lowry is. And then three, I think it's a testament to Nick Nurse because he's just one of the best tacticians in the league. He knows how to put guys in the right spots and everything like that. And I think this is a reflection of that. He, he brought – and he, he's definitely brought this team together. And one of the things that Nick Nurse really didn't get credit for last year, and I think he's starting to get credit for this season – is really kind of he, – he eliminated the ego really right out of it. They, you know, it, it, was, it would have been very easy for that team to implode a season ago. Uh, Kawhi Leonard shows up. He's kind of a rental. You don't know whether he's going to stay or where he's going to go. Everyone on the team was getting asked questions about Kawhi the entire season uh, because he's such a closed book. He doesn't give too much to the media. He doesn't give anybody anything. So – you know, at one point, you're, you're getting asked a lot of questions about this guy who's a part of the team who just showed up. Great player. Then he's sitting out, you know, a half the you know, quarter of the season. Uh, and, and there's other players out there that are looking for the respect themselves. Norman Powell's still looking for the respect amongst NBA circles. He's finally getting it this season. Kyle Lowry for years. You know, yes, he was an all-star. But, you know, people weren't really giving him the respect he deserved as – the player that he was outside of the country, you know, and, and Fred Van Vliet, same thing, bet on himself. He's, he's, he's still looking for that respect and didn't get it until late in the playoffs a season ago. You put that all together and Nick Nurse had to manage that, had to manage every single player, had to, to reassure every player that, you know, what their, that their system that they had in place would work. And eventually they end up winning the NBA title. And that was riding Kawhi's back. So to see them come back this season, when you take that piece away to get Siakam involved, to get Lowry involved, uh, Van Vliet's had some big clutch moments this season. Norman Powell's had some big clutch moments this season. And no one's really griped about the way that they've been used throughout the regular season, at least publicly. We don't know what happens behind closed doors, but publicly. And that's what happens in a lot of teams when you've had success. Once you've won a championship, it's easier to just point out the flaws, especially publicly, because people feel more confident in doing so. Right. 
And I, I think the other thing too, we probably, I mean, we definitely don't give Nick Nurse enough credit for how he managed that team last year, considering everything that happened. Because I feel like, you know, when everything was going well for the Raptors, it was a reflection of Kawhi and he got all the glory basically. But you're right. And he, even, even in addition to all the stuff that you just mentioned with him, I think it's easy to forget about that, you know, he, at the start of the season, he split Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka up, playing them both at center, one coming off the bench and one starting. And then he continued doing that. Like we were having conversations last year about, you know, who should start at center in the playoffs? Should it be Marc Gasol? Should it be Serge Ibaka? And that's a huge sacrifice for both those guys to make, especially when they're free agents this season. And then, right. you know, they're playing for the next contract and everything. So it really is just the buy-in from top to bottom of this roster. And we've talked about it before. Guys like, you know, Stanley Johnson and Ronda Hellas-Jefferson, they were two newcomers on this team. And Nurse called them out in the preseason for not playing the way that they wanted to and everything. And they started the season on the bench. Um, you know, Stanley Johnson is, is still coming off the bench, right. but rightfully um, so. Ronde has worked himself into the rotation. He's become a valuable part of the team. And, um, and, and that's it. You know, Nurse has got all these guys to buy in. And you look at these stats in the clutch that Michael pointed out in his piece. You know, Kyle Lowry is leading the, uh, the team with 84 clutch points. Pascal Siakam is close by. Fred Van Bleet's getting a lot of shots in the clutch. It's just, it's just a very, like, it's a healthy ecosystem, I guess you could say. Like, everyone has a hand in their success. Um, and, and they play really hard and they play to their strengths. Because another thing that Michael pointed out is that I think they rank, was it third in fast break points in the clutch? Yeah. Um, and Siakam is among the league leaders. So they're getting out, they're pushing the pace and everything. Um, and, and that leads into another question that I'm, I'm sure we will get into. But just the fact that this team has had as much success as they had in the clutch this season, there's no way I could have predicted it after they lost Kawhi. It's amazing to see uh, as well the way that they've been getting the shots, as you mentioned. It's not just one-on-one because that was the criticism a year ago with Kawhi Leonard. It was a lot of ISO basketball, one-on-one stuff. Uh, And and granted, you know, in the playoffs, that's probably going to happen more because that's what happens in playoff basketball. But maybe Nick Nurse can change that. Maybe Nick Nurse could figure out a different way to get certain guys' buckets, not necessarily just in the clutch, because, the, I mean, everyone kind of emphasizes who do you get the last shot to? Who, who's who's going to take the last shot? I think most good coaches could come up with a, a out-of-bounds play to get a great shot at the end of the game for their best player. I think it's harder for most coaches to come up with looks in between games, especially after, you know, without a timeout available for you on the fly to figure out a way to get guys looks. And Nick Nurse has been able to do that in the clutch so far this season. Between Kyle Lowry and, and, and Pascal Siakam, he's spreading the wealth there. And Micah pointed out in the piece, 49 attempts in the clutch for, for Pascal Siakam, 48 in the clutch for Kyle Lowry. And, it, I mean, only the, the, the Charlotte Hornets uh, have a, a more equal distribution of clutch time baskets. And there's a reason why they suck, the Hornets, because Terry Rozier should not be taking 66 shots in the clutch. And I don't think anyone really would have said that Devontae Graham should have been taking 66 shots in the clutch up until this season. He's probably the more he's probably more likely to be the go-to guy now going forward. Rozier should not touch the ball, uh, you know, in the clutch. But that's another podcast, another <laughs> I <was> time. Say. <laughs> it, it, I don't want to go here and kill the the, the Hornets. Uh, but I will say that that that's the only team that has has done it this way uh, more than the Raptors. So. Um, Everyone wants to ask at the end of the games, who should get the last shot? And I don't know if that's the right question to ask. I think maybe the right question to ask is, can they get the right shot? I agree with you. Because I think that, 
ultimately with this team until until Siakam develops into this kind of guy. I don't want to say like Kawhi Leonard because he's never going to be Kawhi Leonard, but a guy who you can give the ball to, just clear the floor out and let him go one-on-one and he can beat pretty much anyone off the dribble. Until he develops into that guy, I almost think you just kind of, one, have to go with whoever's playing better at that point in the game and two, whoever has the better matchup. Because the reality is, I mean, we've talked about this plenty of times before, but like in a game seven against the Bucks, the right play is not going to give Pascal Siakam the ball at the top of the three-point line when he's being guarded by Giannis Antetokounmpo and right. hoping that he can create a shot for himself. It's probably something along the lines of him setting a screen for Kyle Lowry. You know, if they switch, then you have Siakam going up against like Eric Bledsoe in the post. Maybe that's better. Um, if they don't switch, maybe that turns into a handoff for someone else and things like that. So I think for this team, that's the best way to do it. The question becomes, do they need someone like that to not only, you know, compete for a championship again, but potentially make like the conference finals? Because I, I think, you know, some of the stats that Micah pointed out, one of them being, I think the Raptors ranked dead last in late shot clock field goal percentage in the fourth quarter this season. And it's, it's a situation where Kyle Lowry and Siakam have struggled. And I also dug a little bit deeper and looked into some of the stats on basketball reference. Um, so the Raptors this season are one for 11 from the field on shots to tie or take the lead with less than 20 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter in <laughs> overtime. So that's like end of game, right? Last season, in regular season and playoffs, they were 10 for 30, which doesn't sound great, but it's pretty good given those situations. And Kawhi was responsible for six of those makes, and he assisted on one of them. And I think we've, all, we've just spent the last like 10, 15 minutes talk to, talking about how great this team's been in the clutch without Kawhi, how surprising it is and everything. Ultimately, that's the point where you're going to miss him the most because we saw it time and time again last season. That 76ers game seven being the best example. When it comes down to it, you need a guy who can create his own shot. Or at least I think you do. I, I still think that's where the NBA is. And the Raptors just don't have someone like that yet. Right. I, I agree with you. I, I don't know that the Raptors have. They have someone like that, but not someone like that at two, that's going to take them to the championship level that they need to be at. And when I say Siakam is the guy, Siakam is the go-to guy. He's the guy that could create his own shot. But it looks a little different when you're going up against elite defenses in the playoffs and we're going up against in game three they've already seen you twice now they know the spin move they know the left hand uh you know the turnover to the left shoulder they've seen all that stuff they scouted that stuff where's the counter and where's the will to just say i'm better than everyone else and i don't think he's there yet he's an all-star he's exactly. just not a superstar so he'll be- maybe he'll eventually get there maybe he won't have to maybe he'll have you know Giannis join him next season and he could go back to being robin but the bottom line is this he's not there now and I think that's the difference between this year's team and the team from a year ago is that Kawhi Leonard was that guy. And he, he was arguably the best player in the league, uh, period. Not just at one-on-one, but best player in the league, period. And they lost that. That's where I, I think that the Raptors um, are really going to feel it. They haven't felt anything yet, uh, much like the 94 Bulls. You know, when, when Scottie Pippen became the go-to guy, the Bulls had a great season. They lost two less games in the regular season. They pushed the Knicks to game seven uh, in, in the second round of the playoffs. And that, by the way, that Knicks team went on to eventually go to the finals and push, and where they were one game away from winning the championship that season. So it was a really good Knicks team. Uh, and the Bulls, who just lost Michael, had a guy, like I said, was the best player in the league at the time, a guy that would go in and, and get that clutch bucket for you, and, and it was tough to stop him. That's where the Raptors are going to struggle. But the parallel that I think – you can draw from the 94 Bulls team and this year's Raptor team that is different 
is there's no ego. We all know about the Scottie Pippen, uh, Tony Kukoc issue that showed up in the playoffs. It wasn't there in the regular season because you remember Kukoc had, you know, he was one of the top players that season in terms of clutch scoring. And they ran a lot of plays for him at the end of games, which Scotty probably didn't have a problem with in the regular season. But in the playoffs, when the lights are on and it's go time, it was a different story. So I wonder if that's going to change for the Raptors. It could do. I mean, only time will tell. But I, I will say that the one thing about Siakam, because he, he's ult- ultimately the, the light is going to be shining brightest on him in those situations. And I think just saying that he's not that player yet, which is important, that's not a big knock on him. Because again, he's improved more over the last two years than potentially any other player in the league has. And like the, the, the big stat that jumps out to me, okay, I, I think I've either said this on the pod before, or I've said it to you um, and or Micah, but Siakam's usage rate in the clutch last season was 13.7%. Mm-hmm. This season, it's 33.5%. <laughs> that is a huge jump, right? Yeah. And the fact that he has performed, you know, maybe not at the end of shot clock when there's five seconds left and we need to get a shot, maybe not in those situations. But other than that, he's been a very good scorer in close games this season. And that's a very encouraging sign moving forward. And yes, ultimately, if he's going to be the number one player on a championship team, he needs to become a player who can create his own shot in the final seconds of a quarter or a game, whatever. But to say that he's not there yet doesn't mean, as you were saying, he's, he's not, never going to be there. It's just kind of like the next step of development for him. Is, that, is he the answer if the, the question came, who do you go to in the clutch? And it's been equal right now between him and Lowry. Van Vliet's had some moments. I mean, Serge Ibaka is not someone you would run a play for, or run a play for, but he's capable in the clutch. Like, you're not going to clear out and say, all right, Serge, go 1-4 flat. But he's right. capable in the clutch. He can hit shots. Uh, Norman Powell... To me, right now, other than Siakam, he's the best one-on-one player in terms of being able to break down defenders off the bounce. But he's never been really put in a position where that load is on his shoulder to, to carry that in the last two minutes of the game. So I, I don't know whether or not he could do it. But w- what's your answer in terms of if, you know, game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals, same scenario pops up, who's getting the ball? It's got to be one of Lowry and Siakam. It, it just has to be. Because I even think beyond that, I agree with you. I think Norman Powell, if you're just talking about a guy who can create his own shot or just get to the basket, because that's, that's a big part of this too, right? It's not even just creating your own shot. But part of the reason that Siak, uh, sorry, Kawhi Leonard was so good last year is because whenever it seemed like Toronto's offense just grinded to a halt, he'd basically just be like, all right, clear out. I'm going to the basket. I'm either getting a layup or I'm getting fouled and I'm making these two free throws. Mm-hmm. And you need someone who can do that. But I also think another huge part of this is that the thing with Lowry and Siakam specifically is that they can not only create for themselves in those situations, but if teams start to double them or start to crash on their drives, okay, they're the best out of everyone else on the team from being able to find that open man. Lowry more so than Siakam, but I also think that Siakam's a far better scorer. So again, going back to what I was saying before, I think you have to run something between them. Unless you're running some kind of play to try and catch them off guard for like Norman Powell sneaking into the corner for a three or something. But if you're looking like there's eight seconds left on the shot clock, we need to create something. I don't see a scenario when it's not going to one of them two. And maybe it's something as simple as like, Larry gets the ball, Siakam comes, sets the screen for him, and then you go from there. But I, I just can't imagine a situation where, you know, it's not going through either of them. It has to be. Right. Thank you for stating the obvious. Now pick one. This I'll, is only a podcast, to, right? I'll no give it to Siakam. see you hub, puffing, puffing. Go ahead. They might do. You're recording this video. You might sit <laughs> out. I don't know. Um, I, I, it has to be Siakam because I also think part of this too is that 
I don't expect the, cha- the Raptors to win the championship this season, but this is also a very good opportunity. Like this is a learning opportunity for him, right? So we've seen it time and time again before, like the 76 is the way that they defended him in the playoffs last year. He took that and learned from it and added to his game. So I think if you're going to do something like that, you have to give it to Siakam because if you want him to develop in that player, he needs the reps in those situations. It's an interesting take because it, uh, some people might take that as you're kind of, you know, test driving Siakam in situations when, you know, it's the playoffs, the stakes are the highest to prepare him for later on, uh, assuming that he, you know, he, he might fail in the situation. But I, I agree with you. It has to be Siakam, in my opinion, not because I don't believe in Lowry's ability to get buckets and or anything or thinking about the future. I think that Siakam has uh, the higher ceiling in these scenarios. When you're talking about a guy that, uh, you know, he could post you up, uh, you know, he could face you up. I don't think that Lowry has that ability to post up anymore at this point in his career. And he's not going to be, ta- he's not going to be, you know, taller than any other guard on the floor or any other player on the floor, whereas Siakam has that ability to do that. Uh, he's quicker and, you know, he makes his free throws. And, and, and anytime you have a shifty player like that, the ability to put the now onus on the referees to blow that whistle, he's, a, he's an all-star now, so he's going to get that all-star whistle. Uh, I, I think you got to put it in his hands and just let him make that sort of decision. Now, if he's the guy, you know, going down deep into the playoffs, and I think we both agree that, you know, they should do it by committee, continue to do it by committee in the regular, as, as they've done in the regular season. That's probably the best case scenario. Uh, but, you know, this is basketball. People always like to hear uh, that they have the Michael Jordan blood in them or the Kawhi Leonard blood. <laughs> you can't just do it by committee. So Siakam's the guy that we both choose. Um, do you think that they could go on a deep playoff run playing – the way that they're playing in the regular season, if they're doing it by committee, is it possible for them to go into a deep playoff run or do they have to say definitively every time the game is on the line, we're going to Pascal? Look, I, I know what you're saying. I still don't think, this is, I still don't think it's always going to be Pascal in those situations. I just think in, you know, without knowing what the situation is exactly, I would give it to him. But I think you still need a guy who can do that. Because again, we saw it last year. In the second round, the Raptors needed Kawhi Leonard to hit those shots and have some huge games. And we still don't know what the playoffs are going to look, look like if and when the season returns. But, you know, they could be playing a team like the Celtics in the second round or the 76ers in the second round. Or they could be playing the Nuggets in the second round who have Nikola Jokic, who's an MVP candidate. So I still think you ultimately need one guy who can kind of put the team on their back in those situations to beat the best teams in the league. So... I'm not saying this in a way that, like, I don't think Pascal Siakam can make big shots in those situations. I think he can. And I do think there's this, you know, there's a world in which this Raptors team makes, like, the conference finals or something like that. But without, like, this big-time closer, Kawhi Leonard-esque guy, I mean, you go through the championships of the last few years or decade or whatever it is, it's really hard to win without one of those guys, right? Mm -hmm. I think we could probably just do it off the top of our head right now. You name all these teams, they've always had at least one guy who can create a shot in pretty much any situation, whether it's a Kawhi Leonard, a LeBron, um, you know, Kevin Durant. Durant. Yeah. Exactly. Even, even like a Kyrie. Kyrie was huge to those Cavs teams, and his biggest asset was being able to create his own shot in isolation. We've seen that huge shot over Steph Curry in Game 7 and everything like that. So I think ultimately for this Raptors team, if they were going to make a deep run, I, they do need, I think they do ultimately need someone who can step up in those situations. And I think that's kind of what Michael was alluding to in that article with, you know, the stats like them struggling in, in late shot clock situations. Because um, if there's anything as good as they've been in the clutch situation, that to me is the most worrying sign. 
Yeah, I, I agree. At some point, the game's going to break down. You're going to need someone to go. You can get you a bucket, and it has to be Pascal Siakam. And, and when we say go out and get you a bucket, it doesn't necessarily mean him scoring either. It means creating some sort of mismatch or scenario where he's going to have to force a double team and find an open look for someone else. And I think that's going to be telling in the playoffs is can he do that on a consistent level? Can he make defenses pay for doubling him? Or, or can he force defenses to double him? Because if the Raptors, let's face it, if the Raptors play a team good enough defensively that do not have to double Pascal Siakam or any player on the court, then they are going to be in trouble. And not just the Raptors, any team in the playoffs. If we talk about the Pacers, if Victor Oladipo cannot find a way to create either a mismatch or force a team to double or shade to his side, he is going to make them pay. And, and it's, going to be, it's going to be tough. So I, I totally agree. Siakam has to find a way to, uh, to really you know, put that pressure on defenses. And I think he might prove to us that he's a better passer than uh, than most are, you know, looking at right now in, in terms of, you know, his, his his numbers and what he's done this season. Uh, just by that, you know, moving his defense and, and and doing what some of the greats that we have in this league do. Kawhi Leonard's actually who who was got criticized for that last year. He's done pretty pretty good uh, this season with the Clippers in, in doing it. He's learned from that, and he has. You know, LeBron James is probably still the best in the league at that right now. Yeah, and going back to your point about Siakam, again, you, you kind of look at the guys. Like, if they play the 76s in the second round, he's probably going up against Embiid again, right? If it's the, the Lakers in the finals, it's, it's Anthony Davis. If it's the Bucks in the conference finals, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. And like you're saying, he needs to prove that he can kind of score against those guys because right now they're probably not sending a double at him if he's going one-on-one against those guys because that's some of the best defenders in the league. Um, and I think in those situations, that's when you might see rather than going to just a, uh, a Pascal Siakam isolation against Anthony Davis, maybe that's when you go to Lowry in some kind of situation. Um, but I ultimately think long-term, like th- th- they need Siakam to grow into this player um, if he is going to be the number one player on the Raptors moving forward, on a championship team or anything like that. I'll say this about the Sixers before we get out of here, uh, because it's just you, me, and the Raptor listeners. We'll keep this away from Sixer fan base. If Brett Brown puts Joel Embiid on Pascal Siakam, if they play each other in the playoffs this season, he's going to lose his job. They right. have Ben Simmons, one of the all-NBA defenders who no longer has to guard Kawhi Leonard anymore and could easily defend Pascal Siakam better than Joel Embiid can at every level. This is a different Pascal Siakam. And if they put Joel Embiid on Pascal Siakam again, they are going to pay that price. He's not going to be hesitant as he was last year, waiting for something to happen. Brett Brown will lose his job. That's funny. I disagree with you. I think um, Ben Simmons would probably match up with Kyle Lowry and just try and swallow him whole and take him out of the game completely. And as much, hey, I've been writing all season long about how much Pascal Siakam has improved. I had him as my most improved candidate, I want to say, like Thanksgiving or Christmas. Right. Um, I still don't know if he's a good enough shooter to consistently beat the scheme um, that the, the 76ers used against him last season, specifically against Embiid. Because I, I think he's going to be, he's better equipped to make some more of those shots. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, Pascal Siakam is still at his best when he's driving to the basket, getting to the rim, um, finishing inside, getting to the free throw line, everything like that. And Embiid to me is still someone who can kind of make things difficult for him in those situations. So I, I disagree with you there a little bit. 
Well, where we disagree is that Pascal Siakam this year won't be as hesitant to take those shots as he was last year because there was a lot of times where that ball was sticking to his fingers because he didn't want to pull the trigger. Now he has to pull the trigger. So that's an easier way for him to get in the rhythm of the game. That feels like another podcast, and we should probably talk about that in full uh, if the Raptors do play the 76ers. Fingers crossed the NBA season does come back. Uh, Later on this week, I believe the Board of Governors are voting on a return to action and what format that may be keep it locked on nba.com we will have you covered from pillar to post on everything not just raptors but everything around the nba fingers crossed the nba comes back for scott rafferty i am carlin gay this has been the raptors pot table podcast thanks for listening get that garbage out of here